Welcome to the Future of Policing in Columbus. I'm Edie Driscoll, your host. In the wake of the protests in the summer of 2020, Columbus City Council placed a charter amendment on the fall ballot to establish a civilian police review board and an office of inspector general. The initiative passed with overwhelming voter support, even though the community at the time had little understanding of how it was all going to work. Two years later, this July, the process is scheduled to actually begin. Mayor Ginther initially appointed the nine-member board and then expanded it to 11 after a public outcry that the people on it did not represent the over-policed neighborhoods of our community. They spent several months getting their own house in order and then began the process of selecting an inspector general. It took them two months longer than they had hoped, which gives the new IG two fewer months to get her office up and running. But as you'll hear from our interview, Inspector General Jacqueline Hendricks is not complaining. She is thrilled to be here and happy to use her extensive career experience to benefit the residents of Columbus. IG Hendricks retired from the Detroit Police Department as a sergeant, having spent time working as an internal affairs investigator. She then began working for the then newly established Inspector General's Office in Detroit. She has a master's degree in public administration from Central Michigan University. So welcome, I.G. Hendricks. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for being with me today. I've been reading an awful lot about you. And I think the very first question that we have to get just out there is you were educated in Michigan. You spent your career there. Everyone's got to want to know what it's like just instantly being plunked down in the middle of Buckeye land. I mean, how does that, how is that working for you? I will say um, I'm excited to be here. I, I do have family from Ohio. And so that would make me laugh because that's one of the things we would talk about when we visit and um, talking about the different football games and just dealing with the different universities because I have family here that is truly a Buckeye fam. And then I have family that is from Michigan, including my daughter who graduated, you know, and sure. she has her doctor's degree and she's a Wolverine fan. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm excited. Yeah. And I was raised by a um, Michigan grad. So you know, I understand the conflict. It's, it's very, uh, very real, but um, nice to have you here. And thank you for uprooting your life and coming down to help us in this, in this town. Tell me, has you, have your days gotten normal yet? I mean, is there a normal day in the inspector general's office or do you ever expect there to be a normal day? Well, right now I will say, no, the days are not normal because I'm very busy, you know, trying to get the office up and running. We go operational in July. I think right now our tentative date is July the 11th of this year. So I'm aggressively trying to get the office up and running. And and how does that look? That is hiring the staff, getting our policies and procedures in place, being able to put together a good outreach program that's going to allow us to be able to reach the community and let the community know when we open, 
and what the intake process is going to look like for us accepting complaints. And so part of that is getting our website up and running, establishing a hotline, and just having that information so that the community is aware that we will be operational, when we'll be operational, and what that's going to look like. And so I haven't had a chance to get out and meet as many community people as I want to. And part of that is because I'm working on getting my flyers, brochures, and information I need. So when I'm out there, not only will I be able to talk to the community and tell them the process, but be able to give them information and pamphlets that's also going to have that information. So yeah. That's what's going on. That's a lot. That is a <laughs> lot. Office. That is so that is so much. I mean, you must start at O Dark 30 in the morning and not stop. I I can't imagine <laughs> how much is, is on your plate. You know, the folks here in Columbus have been waiting for you for 20 years. You know, the um, earliest calls for uh, civilian review board were over 20 years ago. And so this is a long time coming and a lot of expectations, a lot of, um, you know, focus on this. And I wonder if you can give us a sense of, of what it's actually really going to look like. And is this in your mind going to meet the expectations of those 20 years of waiting? Tell us what, what's going to happen after July. What will citizens be able to to do in interacting with your office? Our office is mandated by the charter. So when you look at the Columbus Charter that our office and the Civilian Review Board was established in 2020. And so the duties, responsibilities that this office will have is all mandated by the charter. So how that's gonna look is that we will be receiving, initiating, and investigating complaints alleging misconduct and excessive use of force by sworn members of the Division of Police for Columbus. With that, how that's going to work is, again, we're gonna be establishing an intake policy so that citizens will be able to file those complaints. Those will be in person if they wanna walk in, Hotline, we're going to be putting on, on our website. I would like to have a connection there where they can actually pull the complaint down and file that and fill that out and submit it to us. We're working on trying to get all of that in place. And until we're able to get the website up and running, if that's something that happens later, definitely the citizens will be able to just walk in, file a complaint or make a phone call. But that's how that process is going to look. Is this going to change the community's relationship with the police department uh, as they know it? For instance, will um, they now not be filing internal affairs complaints or will they do that as in addition to filing with your office? Like, walk us through that. So I always go back to what the charter is because we're still in the process of getting all of our policies and procedures approved. So based on the charter, the charter states that the Civilian Review Board 
And of course, I work up under the direction of the Civilian Review Board, but that they will receive, initiate, and conduct investigations, again, alleging misconduct, excessive use of force by sworn members of the um, Columbus Division of Police. So based on the charter, our office will be receiving all of those. Now, how that looks for the Columbus Police Department, I won't speak on that. I can just speak on what the charter says. And so based on the charter, that is what our office um, is planning to do and that's what it intends to do because also the Civilian Review Board can initiate complaints or if someone files a complaint with the board, they'll be you know, filtering that complaint down to our office because the Department of Inspector General's office is the investigative agent for the police review board. That's very clear. Thank you very much. I think what I heard is you aren't replacing the Internal Affairs Bureau. That's that's the main thing that I, I was uh, hoping to understand. And you don't have anything to do with them. So if they're con- conducting an investigation, that's their prerogative, obviously. And you will follow your mandate in the city charter. You're going to start in July. Does that mean that a complaint that someone files with you will have to have happened after July, or can they be filing complaints about things that happened before July? That's a really good question. So what I would say is I'm still guided by whatever is in the policies and procedures for the collective bargaining agreement. And from what I understand, and so I'm I'm not gonna speak specifically on that because I don't wanna speak on something that I'm unsure of right now, but there is a division in there that talks about the complaint has to be filed within so many days. So what I will be doing is once we have that pinpointed in our policies, then we'll definitely have that in the information. You did this type of work in Detroit as well. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. That's one of the reasons I was really, I was excited, you know, to take the position. And and that comes from just really wanting to build that trust between the community and police. So a little about my background prior to working for the Detroit OIG office, because that office was newly created in 2012. I retired from the Detroit Police Department after 27 years. Towards the latter part of my career, I worked a special unit called Force Investigations that was a part of the Internal Affairs Unit. And we investigated um, Category 2 use of force involving Detroit sworn officers. And so a Category 2 use of force was anytime officers discharged their weapon, whether it took effect or didn't take effect, anytime a prisoner was injured, which caused them to go to the hospital and receive medical treatment, or any um, incidents involving where a prisoner might have been injured, or any allegations of a use of force that was filed against an officer. So with the part of the shots fired, the incidents involving um, use of force going to the hospital, we would get a call and we responded within an hour of the incident. And I like that because we initially would go out and conduct a preliminary investigation. So we were there. 
we did canvas, talked to the people, found out what happened, and then we would come back and do a preliminary report, which went to the chief. So he was aware of what actually happened. And then that investigation would be assigned to a sergeant that did a thorough investigation. Interesting. Part of that, the reason, I, yeah, and, and you know, the thing I like about that part is I believe it was an incident where it actually helps to do the initial investigation that protects the officer in case of an allegation that's fraudulent, but it also protects the complainant because when the incident occurs, we're out there. We get a chance to see everything right then and there. So the investigation is done, I would like to say, like within real time because it's done within an hour to two hours when the incident calls. Like most officers that um, when they make a scene and an incident occurs, they have to notify dispatch. So I did that. And then um, when I retired, I started working with the Detroit Office of Inspector General. That office was created by the charter in 2012, but they were putting the office together in 2013, and that's when I came on. And so the difference with the Detroit Office of Inspector General is that office has jurisdiction over the whole city. All public servants, city officials, police and fire, and we investigate in that, that office, they investigated fraud, waste, abuse, and corruption. And I take the role very serious, and I know that I will do my best. So you've actually been through the setting up of an office before. That's, that's really helpful, I'm sure. So some of the things that you just referenced, the Detroit office has a broader scope than the office you're setting up here. And I'm not sure... There was really ever a conversation, at least with the public in Columbus, about having a broader scope than what uh, than just policing. So that gives you a little more focus. I want to um, clarify here when you were talking about the force um, group that you were with when you were with the Detroit police, and you were able to be on site quickly, and how much of an impact that makes in terms of getting all the uh, evidence and information quickly. As Inspector General, you don't expect that, that you would have that privilege though, right? You would always be getting these reports, if not hours, mostly days or weeks later. Is that right? I would say that would probably be right. Depends on the complainant and when they want to file the complaint with their office. So as soon as they file the complaint, we would be looking into it. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I'm going to ask I.G. Hendricks more about what to expect from our new Inspector General's office. Stay with us. We're living through the most dynamic time in human history, and what we do as leaders matter. We are the ones that create the leverage to shift directions of our companies, our nonprofits, and our communities. As a leader or an emerging leader, please join me for a dynamic conversation with top thought leaders, academics, and executives to learn more about how to elevate your leadership. I'm Maureen Metcalf. Join us at the WCBE podcast experience at wcbe.org. We're back. My guest today is Jacqueline Hendricks, the first ever Inspector General for the City of Columbus. So before the break, we were talking about investigations that you have conducted in the past where you were able to be on the scene right away. Do you have any expectation that 
a use of force that say resulted in a serious injury or death that you could be on the scene that you would actually be able to um, if someone contacted you that you would have the personnel to be able to to go out right then well one thing that i want to make clear is that our office conducts administrative investigations okay so an investigation that you know might result in death or serious injury that you're talking about could possibly be a criminal investigation and that would be conducted by the Columbus Division of Police, most likely their Internal Affairs Division. Right. And of course, their procedure now is to refer many of those investigations to BCI. So you would not be, I just want to make sure folks listening understand the scope of your activities, is you would not be repeating the investigations that BCI would be doing. Is that does that sound right or is or do you know yet? So to answer your question, and, and this is the best way I can answer it, if it's a criminal investigation, we would not be repeating the criminal investigation. However, if if it's a criminal investigation and they make a determination that there is no criminality and that comes back and now that person is still with the department and it becomes an administrative matter, then yes, we would definitely be looking at conducting the administrative investigation to determine whether or not that officer's actions was in compliance with their policies and procedures. That makes sense. Thank you. So then just one quick follow-up on that. So then we talked earlier about the time table of filing. Since we know that BCI takes a year to, or, and then the prosecutor takes another six months after BCI is done with their investigation, we're talking about maybe a year and a half before we determine there, there is no criminal uh, wrongdoing. So the person would then be able to file a complaint with your office, or would they have had to have done it you know, months ago, and you would just wait to see when the criminal investigation is over? I would say, you know, what we're looking at is more on the term that because the complaint has to be filed within a certain number of days of the incident, that they would file the complaint with our office. And what we would do is just table that investigation until the criminal part is done before we would reopen it for the administrative part. That's really good. Good to know. Thanks for for clarifying that. So just a quick question on, uh, there's some folks in Columbus who are interested in the DOJ coming in with a consent decree, and that has not happened yet, at least to my knowledge. How would that impact your office, if at all? would your work change at all under a consent decree? Talk us through a little bit about how that might work. So what I understand is right now, you know, <laughs> you always hear me talk about the charter. Yeah. Um, our office, you know, is established by the charter. So our duties and responsibilities are charter mandated. I don't um, envision there will be any change for our role, you know, based on the charter However, if there's some 
could there be some additional responsibilities? That would be the only thing I could possibly think if the you know DOJ might be wanting some additional things. But right now, our roles and our responsibilities is mandated by the charter, and, and that's not going to change. That makes sense. So what else is on your mind about how your work will roll out here that that the community needs to know? What will make your job easier? Um, you know, because it's a very hard job. I'm totally and completely respectful of, of the fact that you have taken on a uh, really challenging, you know, set of duties. So what, what do you want the community to know that will help you do that the best, you know, that will create good relationship with your office that will allow you to work the hardest for them? I will say information. We definitely want the community to know that we are here. Information is the key. So when a person comes to our office and they want to file a complaint, having as much information about what happened is a good thing. It allows us to be able to take that information and and look at it and do more of a thorough investigation. The staff that I'm looking at to bring into the office, you know, I'm making sure that the staff is um, has experience conducting investigations. The investigations will be looked at, they'll be reviewed, and that again, they'll they're going to hear me say that sometimes I feel like it sounds like a broken record, but it's the facts, and that the investigations are just fact based. And so, with that being said information and what we're able to obtain and what we're able to be able to prove or to be in our findings are all just going to be based on the information that we're able to obtain to be able to determine whether or not the allegation that is brought before us is, you know, within compliance with policy procedures and the laws that are established you know, by the city of Columbus, along with the laws of the state of Ohio. Two follow-up questions on that, actually. One is, will you be, um, I mean, I'm not a trained uh, police investigator. I feel, you know, as a journalist that I I dig into a lot of facts and try to, um, you know, confirm them <laughs> before I report them. But, <laughs> but, um, but that's a different activity than trying to prove something is in compliance with police procedure. Are you going to be offering, um, I guess the best word would be training or, uh, you know, help sheets or, you know, frequently asked questions or, you know, are you, are, is that going to be part of your ongoing outreach to tell people, you know, here's, here's the form that you'll be asked to fill out. If you can look at it in advance and see what's missing before you come to our, I mean, will it be that sort of relationship? I will say absolutely. You know, one of the things I want to, we've kind of talked about in designing our website is frequently ask questions so that citizens, when they go to the website, will be able to say, well, what are some of the frequently asked questions? We'll put a copy of what the form will be, look like. The form has had some information out there. Also, just our office being a good source of information so citizens would be able to call 
and, and ask the staff, you know, whoever is answering the phone and if they want to ask them some questions. And then I will say as I get out there and I'm able to talk to the citizens more, even like doing this podcast, questions that maybe citizens have that I'll start hearing. We're going to have a community relations person on our staff that's going to be out there. And so any frequently asked questions or questions that the citizens are going to have, a lot of that information will be brought back to the office. And I would like to be able to address those, you know, on the website. So some of the things that citizens might not know, and so that's kind of one of the things we were clarifying in this um, podcast is the fact that we are conducting only administrative investigations, that our investigations are not criminal investigations. However, if we're conducting an investigation and it see it leads to information that we find that could possibly be criminal, we would be forwarding that to another investigative agency to handle that. So it's not like we would stop and not oversee that. We just would be forwarding that to another agency that would be handling that. Another question citizens might want to know is, um, again, how soon do we file the complaint? Do we wait until the, the criminal process is over? And I would say no. When the incident happens, file the complaint with us. Let us be the one that tables it until that criminal part might be done. Because, you know, we don't want to interfere in a criminal investigation, which is why we would not be handling that until that criminal part is over. The other thing I will say is, you know, because along with conducting complaints against sworn officers is we really want to build that informational knowledge for citizens as to what the officer's role is. Because there may be complaints that citizens file against an action that an officer does and in doing the investigation will find whether or not that officer violated policy and procedures. And we'll be making recommendations based on whether that officer was compliant or not compliant. We also will be looking to see if there's some policies out there, maybe that officer's actions was in compliance with their policy and procedures. We'll be looking to see if that might need to be revised. Is there a pattern out there? But the main thing that I would like to always go back and forth to say is that our goal is really building the relationship with the community and the police and along with getting the community to kind of understand maybe some of the roles that officers do have and if it's an issue then being able to address that issue also. You just you just caught part of my second question which was the (laughs) which was will the community start learning more about these policies and procedures? And what I um, am wondering, having sat through a lot of the Civilian Review Board meetings, is that the Civilian Review Board, I believe, might have more of a role in considering um, overall that you would you might see this this pattern of behavior that relates to a policy that isn't clearly stated and you're thinking if we clearly stated it um, officers might be 
able to behave more appropriately in the eyes of the community. And you take that to the Civilian Review Board and they consider it and then they make the recommendation um, to the police department. So it's a team tagging here in, in a sense of, you know, you're working on developing the data or the facts that relate to that policy and then they might be considering it from the community's perspective. So it, it feels to me that this whole process will bring out much more information about how the division is managed, how the uh, collective bargaining agreement works, just a lot of things that the community kind of know, but they don't really have the, the facts or the words to put to it. So this sounds like a really good educational process all the way around. And I really appreciate your years of insight into to knowing how to explain all of this because it is going to be going to be complicated, I think, at the beginning. Um, and that is going to be your biggest, your biggest challenge. So I really thank you for getting us started with this early information. And I'm sure we'll look forward to talk to you again, and especially after the, the website is up and you're getting some of these questions back from the community. And certainly uh, as we get any questions back from this podcast, we'll forward them to you. Uh, so you can put them in the in the mix of things that might be frequently asked. <laughs> Is there anything else that you'd like to to share with the community before uh, we call it a wrap? I want to be able to just share with everyone that our main goal, and I say is, I like to say procedural justice. And what procedural justice means is that the investigations that we're doing are going to be fact-based. And what we're looking at is whatever actions were taken, you know, was it within line of policy and procedure or is there a change that needs to be done with the policy or the procedure so that not only the officers can do their job, but that the officers can have that interaction with the community so that everyone feels that they are being received. The community is being respected when they have that interactions with officers and that officers' actions with the community can be well-received. And that is my goal in building that community trust, the community, and with police. So when our office is up and running, I want the community to feel comfortable with coming in and having a conversation with us, even if they have a question about something, you know, please feel free to call the staff, talk to them, find out whatever questions you have. And, you know, my staff will be here to make sure that they're here to be, you know, to listen to questions and be an advocate. I want to thank you too. You know, I appreciate you allowing me to be able to speak and maybe get some of this information out. And I look forward to maybe doing another podcast where I'll be able to give more specific details about our office as we get closer to the date of launching it and on July the 11th of this year. I'll be there. <laughs> you, you, this is a new day in Columbus. And I, I know everyone has a lot of wishes for your success to reach all the goals you've shared with us today. So I'll be happy to speak with you throughout your tenure, not just in July, but I think we need to keep everyone on this 
mission with you. So thank you so much. And I'll let you get back to all of the amazing work you have to do in the next two months. Thank you so much. Well, thank you also. Before I sign off, I want to share that IG Hendricks called me back after we spoke and answered the question about how long we have to file complaints with her office. She reviewed the contract with the police union, which states all complaints must be filed within 90 days of the event. So I did some math. Let's assume her office is able to open on July 11th as the charter mandates. That means that any actions taken by CPD officers from April 12th forward can be reported to her the day she opens. So even though we don't yet have the forms and the website to see the process, it is reassuring to know that any inappropriate actions residents experience right now will be subject to an investigation by the Inspector General and a review by the Civilian Police Review Board. Thank you for listening to this important episode. We will definitely invite IG Hendricks to join us again as the office opens and more procedures are in place. You can find our previous episodes at podcast experience at wcbe.org and at matternews.org and wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme music is Crossing the Line by Unknown811. You can send your comments and suggestions for future podcasts to futureofpolicingpod at matternews.org. Why you keeping me down? Why you crossing the line? Why you crossing the line? I'm just raising my voice. Why you keeping me down? Why you keeping me down?